Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 479. Are we going to need to change our podcast intro to, like, Samui Smashbox or anything <laughs> due to your recent investments? Uh, I could go with Sowadi. Just like, hi, how you doing? Uh, in, well, I, in you can in do whatever time. you want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna know. But <laughs> yeah, there's a like, lot of things. Like a lot of things. I'm not I, I, I've only picked up a few words in the last few years, but I'm gonna be making a much more conscious effort to uh, jump into some more Thai language. I mean, now that I clearly have Estonian all locked down. You, I mean, you've got it. You've got. I mean, that is. You're a man of nailed. many yeah. words in different languages. Not many languages, but many <laughs> words in different languages. Uh, only the easier ones. I did see a post that you had made uh, that Kristen Tatar commented on. Kristen mm. Tatar. Kristen Tatar. Um, <laughs> that you were on the uh, the the tour life. Tour life. Yeah. I want to say disc golf tour. Um, the tour life podcast with uh, Brody and Yuli, and they were they were laughing at or mocking maybe I, I didn't get a chance to the, your pronunciation they, they chuckled at my effort oh at your effort. i feel like okay. as if they were mildly or overtly dismissive <laughs> sure of my effort because it was queued up by brody just simply asking how do you pronounce for 2024 how will you be pronouncing <laughs> the number one player in the world and and i thought about it for a I, moment I Heinberg. <laughs> no, he said FPO player in the oh, world. Okay, okay. And I said Kristen Tatar, and they they chuckled. They gave a hearty laugh. A hearty laugh. And said, "That's what you're going with, huh?" I said, "Well, I, I, I probably won't to that full extent, but that is, as I've said before, it's not perfect, but it is closer than Kristen Tatar. Mm-hmm. It's much closer." And who in the world clapped back or who who responded? It, it wasn't a clap back. That's it a wasn't. No, that's why I say who responded? The queen herself. Queen Elizabeth? Queen? <laughs> no. No. Oh. Kristen. Yeah, I knew that. I okay. saw the comment. Yeah. Kristen Tatar uh, commented, said, it's as close as she's heard from so, any American. From any American. So that's phenomenal, Terry. I'm going to take that. We're also going to laugh at you. We're also going to make that's fun fine. of you. And, you know. That's fine, and I'm not. I am not claiming it's perfect, but it is definitely closer to okay. what she has said, and to what others in Estonia have told me, as opposed to how we've all been doing it incorrect for the last three to five yeah. years. Yeah. Well, I'm, myself included, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm, as I will I'm continue. I'm not on to some s- high horse here, thinking like, oh, I've been doing it right all along. Clearly, I have not. But once I learned that we were doing it incorrectly, I have made a more conscious decision to at least attempt to get it correct. And I'm going to work on it myself. Uh, I'm not going to be good. I know that. Uh, I will forget. It's a tough mo- habit to break. It is. It right is. Off the bat, I'll say that. So every time I say it, I'm going to have to like slow down yep. and, you know, whatever. So... Anyway, glad to hear it. If you want to hear more about if you want to hear more about Terry, if you don't get enough of him on this podcast, um, you can go to the Tour Life podcast. He was not, he has a guest last week, and yeah, that's uh, uh, th- th- there's there's a kind of a, a a bigger story to my internet and the challenge there. It, it yeah, clearly, I saw your video was really what? crap quality. Why? Why? I like I as someone said, I need a some tech support there. 
I pay for above average internet at and my house. Did it look bad to you or did they blow you up, like try to zoom you in or something? I wasn't really paying attention because I was in in uh, sure. using OBS in a ninja room and all this other stuff that I don't. I'm more familiar with using VMix clearly, which is what we use. No, they use and OBS. I, I'm guessing it was largely um, my my connection, could maybe, have been. or it could have been some of the settings. You know, we know we can mess with all of that, but yeah, clearly my my image quality looked terrible, yeah. and. And I can't blame them because then I turn around and say, well, I know I had a buffering issue just today when I went live on something for a little while. Someone else did say, though, that YouTube Live in general was having buffering mm. issues. So maybe there was something to be said there. Certainly but, some frustrations but yeah. there. But, I'm, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, yes, yes. They, they they asked me all the questions and then got them all cut up just like a podcast can do. And uh, I, I answered a number of things. And it seems as if, I'm going to say this. First of all, thank you guys for having me. I don't know if this needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. Johnny and I are, yes, we host this podcast. We're more than happy, and we've both joined various podcasts for lots yep. of different reasons. I've joined, it, I've joined some fantasy uh, disc golf podcasts mm-hmm. in the past. Um, we've talked to the PDGA in the past. We've we've talked to other podcasts. Yeah, so World, if there's on? ever anything, and again, I guess I think some people just assume because you host one, you may or may not be uh, interested and or privy to being on others. If you want one or either of us. We're here. <laughs> we're here, or both. Uh, that absolutely, uh, yes, we've and both been, usually it's, it's funny enough, it's often been on different ones because we have different, very different angles and takes. Yes. And as much as we're here, Every Tuesday, we're not entirely united and joined at the hip. So, uh, if if anyone is ever in need of us, now I'm not begging you people, but if you are ever in need of having a guest, we're one or both of us would be more than obliging. So, I want to put that out there because I think some people maybe just assume like, I, oh, when you host something, you wouldn't necessarily. Well, want to I be think on another one. maybe there's uh, some possible thoughts about competition. Maybe oh. that's the reason. Like, like, oh, why would they go on another podcast um, when they host their own? You know, if they want to get their viewpoints out, then by all means, mm. you know, they'll just say it on their podcast, which in general is true. But there is no real competition in that. I think a lot of people, if they listen to podcasts, they maybe listen to multiple ones. Maybe they've got their favorites. And honestly, it's kind of refreshing having somebody else throw you questions as opposed to you always having to kind of come up with things on your own. And that people come at you with different perspectives and viewpoints than maybe what we bring to the table. Yeah. Now, let me also follow all that up and say there's apparently a podcast that gives away awards. One of those awards is predicated upon length of podcast as in like longest podcast award and they're not talking is this disc golf specific yes and they are not talking in terms of longevity as we are 479 episodes into our podcast no no one touches us pushing pushing what will soon be in just a few days will soon be nine full years so they're not talking about the overall longevity they're talking about length of podcasts and I, I have to, I have to make sure you're aware of this. Well, we at Smashbox were not awarded the longest podcast award. Well, I mean, I, I could see depending on like, are you looking at average length? So, for instance, if you were to, you know, okay. if, if this was a, a, if you look at a year, 
And Smashbox's podcast, on average, averages three hours. Usually from nine to midnight, about is what we do. Okay, that's fine. Was there a podcast maybe that went like five hours long? I, I know sometimes the, the Oakleys have their charity, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they Which put it out as a podcast. they doing again this year. Yep. They are. And, you know, shout out to the Oakleys for doing that. But is it kind of average length? Because then also if you break down, if you just look at us as a podcast, sometimes our podcasts are only quote unquote two hours because the after show is an hour. So it really depends on how you can break this down. Is is it amount of weekly content given out? Because Foundation has a multiple podcasts they put out every week. So is that considered kind of one network? I don't know, Terry. How did we not win? I don't know, but apparently we didn't win longest podcast. Well, that's probably just wrong. It's it's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> like the the number one, and the only reason why this this sticks with me is because I feel like the number one, I think the number one criticism or one of the lo- loudest criticisms of our podcast from day one has been that our show runs long. It's just been our style. So there's a podcast awards that that somehow are rewarding. I don't know why you would, but they're awarding or rewarding somebody for having the longest podcast which we're notorious for maybe like they're saying if it was a foundation one maybe it was just their internal awards that they give to their one of 12 different podcasts they offer i don't know and let me be very clear i'm not upset about this it does make anyone like maybe second guess any semblance of validity Um, when you give it to one of your own podcast network people that Clearly, don't run longer podcasts than we. I, anyway, that's cute. It is what a what a what a I, cute award. The award tonight that I'm giving out is Tuesday night podcast for co-hosts that are wearing blue shirts. Oh, what the wow, hell do you know? Here we are. We win. Yes. <laughs> Let me get a trophy made up. Anyway, so uh, yes, good, good, uh, good, good for all of those involved. Um. <laughs> Let's move on, Let's Terry, move and on. talk about a little bit of the news that we heard this past week. We're going to start with something that was dropped last Thursday. It is technically the 2024 complete, complete. schedule was released, and this is the PDGA hey. schedule. My events aren't on there yet. I'm, I'm going to probably run one or two or three events next Your year. Your events are not <laughs> elite, majors, or A-tiers. Oh, that's true. I mean, you could maybe make them that way, but it might be a little In late In my head, now. they will be. Um. What we're seeing next year is going to be 11 PDGA majors, and that includes pro, masters, juniors, amps. So that's all of those. Okay. The 23 DGBT Elite Series events, which are five of them are European, 14 NADGT A-tiers. That's the uh, National Amateur, which was just streamed on Disc Golf Network this past weekend. Uh, 14... DGMT, and that's a new designation What for the, I guess, official designation for the PDGA in that it wasn't necessarily a recognized tour previously, but that's the Disc Golf Masters Tour. That's the Cali McMoran. Um, they, it is now an official PDGA tour, as I'm going to throw it in quotes. Um, there's 14 of those next year. At, yeah, 14 A-tiers. Go on. 14 A-tiers. Yep. And two DGMT in Canada. Now, they're not designated as A-tiers, but they do say two in Canada. So those could be maybe B-tiers, but they are designated as DGMT events. 183 other A-tiers in the U.S., and I'm going to rattle them all off now. Yes. No, I'm not. Uh, and 10 A-tiers in Canada. <laughs> oh. 
Now, the the only A tier that we're really going to talk about is the Las Vegas Challenge, because that was an event that was scheduled to be at the beginning of the tour as a DGPT event. Yada, yada, yada. Not a DGPT event. They ended up moving to May 9th through the 12th. And that is more or less the weekend. Uh, I believe that is the weekend after the DDO. Dynamic just opened. Get it right. I said DDO. <laughs> it. I didn't say I didn't say like GBO. No, I didn't say GBO or anything like that. So we're okay. okay. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to stay on the up and up here. We're good there, Terror Bear. We're good. Don't you worry. (laughs) Um, And then I think it's two weeks before the next Elite event, which is is maybe the Portland Open. I thought it was the no. I think it's OTB, right? I thought it was OTB as well, but I didn't see that. I was just scanning. Oh, there it is. Yep, OTB OTB Open. It's the week in between. Correct. You're right. I missed that when I scrolled down a little bit. So, um. Pros will have an opportunity now to go play Vegas if they choose. I think there are some other A tiers that are on this particular weekend on that could be in theory on the way. The 303 in Colorado, Copenhagen. If you want to go to Denmark, yeah, I quick. mean that's a little out of the way, <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. the Lexington Open in Kentucky, which is kind of the other way. Yeah, uh, the Crosstown Throwdown in Belton, Texas. You're taking a longer loop there if mm-hmm. you if you go okay. with that. Okay, not necessarily on the way. So not necessarily on the way. Uh, but there is the Norman Pro-Am as well in Norman, Oklahoma. Okay. And that is an A-tier the weekend before. So those are the options. I think we're going to see pros kind of maybe pick and choose the events that they they like if they want to play an A-tier. Yeah, if any. I uh, mean, correct. If, that's what I'm saying. If they want to play an A-tier. Some pros might just, you know, as we've seen, someone like Calvin. I don't see Calvin probably playing any of these. No. He's the type that's just going to take the weekend off, head over to OTB, assuming he's going to OTB. I would make the assumption he is, but... And and do that. But now they do have an opportunity to kind of hit these things along the way. It's in a good spot for travel. Uh, I, I think it'll be much better attended than if it had stayed at the beginning of the season. Certainly. And being in Las Vegas just a week and a half ago, that was very much, at that point, it was unknown. I had heard the rumblings of applying for the date in which they were ultimately granted. They're, otherwise, I think their backup or original plan was going to be intact with going uh, on that same weekend in February that they're originally sli- uh, slated for. And now they've been granted what was their first, first choice in being that weekend. I guess that's just the question of the day, right, is will – if any, will they stop there? Will they stop anywhere else? Uh, will they be looking forward to just having that flat out that week off and then making that long trip across the country? The one piece, and, and this is only because I haven't talked to the other eight years, the one thing I can say is I know because it's the 25th anniversary of the Las Vegas Challenge and because I know of the impassioned people that I've been surrounded by in being in the Las Vegas area just a few weeks ago, they've made it very clear that they're going to try to still blow this event out of the water as best as they possibly can. They're going to try and host uh, an incredible event. They've got a ton of support. Uh, Innova is their uh, presenting sponsor. They're essentially treating it just the same it's just now going to be on a different weekend. And so if you're a fan of the event, of the courses, of the time, of the area, you're you're likely not going to get that 
35 and 45 mile an hour winds <laughs> and possible 30 degrees. I don't know how warm it is quite yet in May. I didn't go that far as to look it up. It's probably warm. I- I'm guessing it's starting to get a little bit warmer come Mother's Day weekend. But strategically and geographically, or those go hand in hand here, it is going to make sense if people want to stop and play there. I'll also be the first to admit, I don't know if it's going to be a three or a four round event. I'm going to guess. I'm just guessing. And I think if they want any chance of of getting some of these people, they would have to make it just three rounds. But I, I can't speak. Uh, maybe it's even listed right there in the overall dates. I can't speak for certain what it's going to be. But that would just be my guess is that it would be the three round event uh, that you often see with an A tier. So uh, best of luck to them. You know, there are clearly a number of these A tiers that have had that conversation about what do we do now if we were vying to be on the pro tour as an elite series or and or in that process or that thought process we were vying by being a silver event in these last year or two or three or whatever it's been now some of those events might be thinking man we've been ramping up and there's a little bit of a letdown in terms of a distinction that they're going to be quote unquote, just an A tier. And I I use that in air quotes. Um, Hopefully some of them want to carry that momentum and, and move forward. And we talked about this in the past. Could some of those events potentially in a loose, semi loose way band together to create a series distinction of their own? Sure. Uh, Quite possibly, you know, they, and, and there's a lot of different names and, or things that could be associated with that. So I guess we'll see, but, for now, like you said, Las Vegas Challenge, 25th anniversary, happening on Mother's Day weekend, which is always a flip of a coin in the first place, right? Anytime you're talking about Mother's Day, Father's Day, any of our holiday weekends, there's always some flip of a coin as to uh, the success rate of that. You know, so For some people, they're like, heck yeah, that's great. Uh, and it's going to work out really well with their family dynamic. And other families might be like, yeah, no way. You're, you're not going anywhere. Here's your obligations and everything in between. We we know those can vary from household to household. So looking forward to it. I will say the, the final note on that then, too, with all the conversations they had and treating it like it's <clears throat> the big event that they've they've built it into being, I was also informed or or, I guess, privy to the idea that they want to have a ton of coverage and, and you know, have all of the standard, I don't want to say standard hoopla, but have uh, bells and whistles and things of that nature, including coverage. Now, it's not going to be live coverage that I know of, but I think they're going to do their best to have as much post-production coverage as possible. So, For the right price, we can do live coverage, Terry. For the right price. That's a big price, by the way. We um, Speaking of which, for the right price... Yeah, we got to pay for things like a new set of stickers, which Johnny hasn't even seen yet. I've not seen these. So stickers. when you're getting some Patreon stuff, and when we get around to uh, updating some more stuff on the website, we now have some pretty sweet Smashbox stickers, uh, some die cut ones, and Johnny. Oh, I've not seen these. Oh, look at that! Uh, the, these turned out pretty nice. Wow. They're still fresh in packaging. We also have some uh, Smashbox TV. Oh, the, nice the, uh, one by eight inch stickers yeah, those, uh, in the Mario font. Those turned out pretty well. Themed out. Yeah, you must have got those. Did you get just that right? got them in a couple days ago. Yeah, get that from right from uh, our friend down in Illinois. No, there's uh, they couldn't do those types of stickers. So uh-huh. uh, different uh, different solution there. All right, but anyway, 
So if if you're watching, we've got a couple new fresh Smashbox TV stickers that will certainly get included uh, for Patreon and other purchases. Yes, Webb says he needs a sticker. We'll we'll get you some of that. And Hannah McBeth says you need a sticker. All right. Mm. Well, what we need to stick to, we got some more action. A a little more news. Today, there was an announcement that dropped. uh, Four more years (laughs) is what I heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Matty O announcement that he has signed a contract extension with Westside for four additional years. Now, there was no other details given. No. Just four additional years. It looked like there were some new discs that were dropping to uh, celebrate, or at least I think a there's reminder. a sale on. Or, I think there was more so a yeah. sale on some discs, but go on. Yep, and it came in the form of a I call a quirky video. Okay, some people liked it, some people didn't. There was uh, some the <clears throat> for the for those of you that haven't seen the video, can we play it? Uh, uh, I, I have permission to play it if uh, I've talked to them. So if if, uh, if you want to take a minute I, to find it, I could and, I, and uh, produce or show it up for anyone that somehow hasn't seen it. I think that'd be kind of cool. I, I, I actually do probably have access to it. Probably uh, so Johnny will get his hands on it. Uh, but yeah, and I'll pick it up from there as Johnny's. Is that is it that easy for you? you it's got it? that easy for me, Terry Miller. All right, now so, I don't know if we're going to have audio on this. Well, that would be crucial. Uh, oh, so we're going to see if Johnny V is going to try and make it work so that we can show you this video which dropped earlier today. Like you said, some mixed reaction to it. Not necessarily the Here we go. the messaging, but well, some people the subtle message, subtle messaging. Well, I, guess you I mean, could messaging say. of of Maddie O oh, no. is not the problem. It's really how it came about. So Johnny's going to start it from the start here. Why are we talking here. about this? It's not even a question. Four more years. It's just a given. Perspective. What kind of pressure does this put on Westside? We all know that disc golf has some of the most passionate vocal fans of any sport out there. These people that are out there in the streets. They are not joking around. Ladies and gentlemen, we've heard voice after voice. How could we, in good conscience, ignore the demands of the people? All in favor? Aye. And all opposed? Very well then. On behalf of Team Westside and the voice of the people, I hereby declare four more years. Man, you got threatened me with a good time. Let's give him hell. Ten percent off all Westside discs today and through Friday. Link is in the description for the video. So, what we have is for those of you that maybe are just listening in audio format, you've probably already watched it. But the video starts out with uh, crowds, some masked people chanting, cheering, whatever you want to call it, for four more years. There's no reference as to what it is 
particularly about until you get to a room with a bunch of, well, what we know as DD guys, but, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately acting. Judicial looking. Ju- yeah. Boardroom slash judicial looking. Cabal, maybe secretive kind of uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Don't open any can of worms here, Johnny. I, I, I am repeating what I've heard from other people. <laughs> okay. Um, and at then that point, the tone changes, the music changes. Matteo, they unmask Matteo and basically. And his sunglasses come flying off, and which was a nice touch. That was a nice touch. The sunglasses did come flying off. Um, and they more or less announce a four-year contract and the the what i've heard from people and me personally it's a quirky video that i'm i don't read too much into i know some people maybe i can understand if you don't like it that's fine um because it does bring up maybe thoughts of january 6th it maybe brings up thoughts of right now particularly there is a you know some hostage situations going on over in the uh over in the middle east these are all things that you know don't necessarily i can understand if you don't like it me personally i kind of overlook that it's just a quirky video maddie's a quirky guy it's it is kind of what it is to me and some people if it missed the mark with some people that's fine like everyone to each their own yeah it's it's obviously one of those classic scenarios of uh, everyone can read into it as much as they want. And if you feel it's excessive, I can understand where you're coming from. There's clearly a tie that it was released today. Uh, today on an being election day. Uh, on an election day that obviously all of this has a tie to it. Now, some can say that that tie was too much for them. I get that. Um, as, as Maybe as unbelievable as this sounds, even when I saw the an early rough cut and I was asked to be involved with it. I didn't go all the way into dive nearly as deep as what others have in terms of the response. I initially saw it. I was asked of what my role could be. Uh, I obliged. I said, I'd be willing to do it. They were uh, willing uh, in full disclosure. They were willing to compensate. Not that that was my driving force, but they're willing to compensate uh, in, in terms of our roles and the acting. Oh man, do I have to, Register with the Actors Guild now. Anyway, oh, were, uh, wait, were they were they on strike? At the, they're on no, strike right now. It, no, you're not oh, a, now, now we're digging. Now you're we're not a SAG actor. Players. You don't have to worry. Uh, I'm just a sad actor. So um, I, clearly, I understood some connection, but I didn't go as deep as what others have associated with. And call that naivete on my part, sure. or just like recognizing it, but also not letting it get too deep. Either way, uh, what I can say is clearly the people that put it together are passionate about disc golf, are trying to do a professional job, and are it's, not trying to invoke a a, a bigger picture of what, of uh, you know one of worldly the things, unrest. Of course, that's not that is not. No, and as somebody said on the board, I think one of the might have been you, Dustin, that just said it a moment ago. Um, I, I liked your wording where you said, well, you said, great video. I just think the current landscape is unfortunate timing. That, that might be a great way to summarize it. A um, couple of things from my side. I'm more of a live and let live kind of guy. If you're not out to purposefully uh, offend somebody, odds are you didn't mean it. And if someone takes offense to it, there's not much you can do. Someone can find offense and everything. I would have, I did say I would have liked it better if instead of kind of the, the room with all the guys in sunglasses, if that had been a little bit better themed towards 
uh, West Side style of discs, maybe a a, oh. a Viking kind of theme. The Northmen or uh, Boatmen. Uh, correct. Queen and State. But I also know that that's probably a lot bigger production value, getting those type of costumes versus everybody's wearing a suit jacket and some sunglasses. Sure. So I'm not here to, you know, second guess what it what it is. You're um, also not a script writer or a set designer. No, and plus I, <laughs> I, of us are. I, I have been stuck watching uh, the TV series Vikings that my wife has been watching on mm. Netflix. So it's been sitting in the background. Um, but yeah, it's to me, I like it partially because A, at the very end, it did its job in that it put a little smile on my face. Like yeah, I, I chuckled at it. Oh, good. And I move you on. You didn't know where it was going when it opened. Clearly not. Um, the other thing that I liked about it was that it was different than what we have seen from other announcements. It's not your standard kind of um, just boring announcement. It kind of, and not necessarily in theme, but I really like as well at the uh, the Mason Ford one we saw last year. Mm-hmm. The black and white, Texas-themed. Sure. Uh, that, to me, when you put a lot of production value into those things, it is, to me, it shows a dedication to a player. And I'm very happy that Matteo is getting four more years with Westside, which is ultimately what the whole story should be about in the end, that Matty's going to be on tour for four years minimum and supported by a company. Matteo's beloved. So that's yeah. that's we can look forward to four more years of, you know, roll tide. <laughs> yeah. And and that's going to push him roughly into MP40, not to entirely call him out, but I can Whoa. because because he was on the video with Nate Doss. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that too. But uh, I was just thinking about when I saw him and filmed him earlier this year. And it was at the open at Tallahassee and we were walking down a fairway and somehow having this conversation about age and whatnot. And it was at that time, I think he said he was 36 or 37. And so when I'm thinking about four more years, yeah, that's going to roughly push him right into that age protected ish time frame, uh, which is, you know, I think of an, a, a fellow trilogy player in Johnny McRae, who's, as we've said, an ageless wonder. Uh, so that really means nothing. Who's I, honest I, I, really, let, let's think about it just for one second. Speculate how much less of a player or worse or or degraded will Matty O's game be four years from now? If you had to guess, like... Let's say in in percentage of one to a hundred percent, he's at a hundred percent now. Three to five percent, at <laughs> yeah. most, because that's what I I agree. If uh, even that, be, and I say that because Matty O doesn't throw with a ton of velocity and force. He throws far, but his style isn't like a I will say like an eagle who I think we're still not sure if eagles. Um, the force at which he throws is maintainable for 30 years. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not saying, cause I know Eagles injury right now really had nothing to do with how he throws. He said he was dinking around with a, with a, some dumb 360 thing and it just messed up his shoulder. So I don't want to equate his throwing style to his current injury, but I'm looking at the long run and with the, the, the fierceness that he throws, I don't know what his lifespan is as far as that type of distance. Matty O is a much different type of form it doesn't have that as unique as it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that type of velocity and force coming at you. So I think that much like Johnny McRae, we can see the the player maintain longer. 
You know, I yeah. don't know. Like looking at Kelvin, I think Kelvin's a great example. I don't know if Kelvin can keep up what he's doing into his thirties and four. Well, probably into his thirties, but into his forties beyond. I mean, look at the weird way he puts his ankle and his foot and just how he throws. Yeah, the sheer it, velocity, power, thrust, so, all of those things that go into his is it, correct. You know, the the thing him I'm exploding worried, through the power pocket. The thing I'm worried most about is just. Matteo's sunglasses budget. Well, I mean, at I mean four years of throwing. Be, that clearly, you would think he would go like the double G route by now, and he'd get like the, the no. Uh, then it's not Matteo. <laughs> yeah, get the little. Uh, I don't know what, what are those called uh, that go on your sunglasses that kind of then keep them around your neck. Those were like a thing for a little while. The nerd strap. <laughs> David Wiggins double I mean, G, uh, both sporting those. Again, it's clearly a, a power thrower problem to have. I don't have to worry about my glasses no. going anywhere uh, when I'm throwing. I do, so. but my glasses right now are being held together literally by a staple. <laughs> so the screw fell out, so I stuck. You're a staple talking through. about nerds? What? Yeah, yeah. The the screw fell out of my glasses like a month ago, and so I couldn't. I went to the eyeglasses store and I couldn't find a screw that fit. So I was like, well, you know what? Whatever. And I just took a staple. I put it through the hole and bent it. So my glasses are being held together by staple. I did just have an eye appointment and I'm going to order a new pair of glasses Classy. in the next couple of days. Classy glasses. After a month. Okay. So at any rate, uh, Matteo, congrats. Uh, I'm, I'm going to now bust his balls a little and say, uh, reply to my text, my he, phone call. Apparently, according to Dust, who is a local in that area, mm-hmm. Matteo is in vacay mode. And he's not even responding to locals. He's not responding to anybody. It's very difficult to get a hold of Matteo. You sign a four-year deal. It, you're, you're you, you, you probably some of the biggest be. news, if not the biggest news of the day in the disc golf world. And it's on a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Should be announcing. So, yes, I, I will call him out. I, I did reach out to him via text and uh, didn't hear from him. Talked to his manager, uh, his team manager, we got in contact with his agent, all of all of the above to get Matty O here to have a conversation tonight. And no Matty O. So no you, you can, if there's finally something to be mad at Matty O for, it's not joining us tonight. All right? So I'll say that much. Uh, Stan Man says, over or under 200K a year. I'm going to go under. Which, I, but I don't know. Uh, but and, and for just a moment, let's put that in some perspective. That we're asking that question? No, not just that we're asking. <laughs> well, that, that it's that number. We can ask the question. That's fair. But it's that number. When you talk about his his competitors week in and week out and who he is competing with constantly. Within a stroke or two, sometimes better, sometimes worse, whatever. He's clearly not winning as much as some of the other players. But you're talking about Ricky with a guaranteed million. You're talking about Macbeth with a guaranteed million. You're talking about Eagle, Simon. You're talking about all these players that we know are making way more than that. So the fact that you open, and I'm not I'm just using it as an example, you open with two hundred thousand, and then we think about how that may stack up against his very formidable competitors that are right next to him. That kind of sounds crazy that you would think it would be way more. However, our landscape has changed so much in the last two or three years yeah. since some of these big deals have come about. And and I don't think we're ever going to get the numbers. I don't think. Whatever happens with the likes of an Eagle McMahon staying with the Discmania or moving on or whatever and everything in between, I don't think we're going to know the numbers unless it's a really big blockbuster like lifetime deal mm-hmm. that keeps him there or moves him. 
if it's a one or two year deal, I don't think we're going to know the details of it. And same with a Gannon Burr, if Gannon stays with Prodigy or he moves on. I don't know. It's it's wild, and I don't want to say, "Oh, you missed the you you missed the boat." But two hundred today sounds so low compared to uh, compared to not compared compa- to five years ago, just or com- ten years ago. Well, I just think it of, sounds great, I, but I, compared to yeah. two years ago, you're like, mm. yeah. I think of the landscape and how the disc golf landscape has changed, even in the past two years. And you're right; if this were two years ago. The, the issue, the thing about, and we've t- we've probably beat a dead horse with this in the past, to get those type of contracts, you need multiple things. You need to be a probably close to a world champion. You need to be social media. You need to have, you need to have to be selling discs. Like, you need to be pushing that product. And as great as Matty O is, and I, thankfully I don't know, numbers i don't know what type of influence he's having on west side yeah like so that's maybe a lot of it is incentive based so if more west side does sell he gets a bigger cut and i'm sure he's he's going to be making enough word to tour pretty easily hopefully put away a little into into a retirement and sell some discs that's what i care about i hope matteo clearly matteo is happy with it that's what we can look for but i, I yeah i don't know i i it would it would be tough. I think you have to be, and I don't want to say a world's winner. You have to be a major winner, is what I'll say. Worlds is might be a little exclusive. Okay. Well, so. uh, as of now, like we have this conversation every year, unless they go above and beyond to make the details overtly public, a lot of it's going to be second guessing, hearsay, rumor mill, all that other stuff as to what things may or may not pan out to do. As we said, the announcement today was the four years. The, the terms, the stipulations, performance bonus, uh, performance bonuses, uh, win bonuses, all those types of things, uh, some consistency bonuses. Who knows what that actually means? Um, we don't have those details. Uh, I don't. I and I'm. I'm. I may, maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe uh, Maddie could share all those things if he joined us tonight. Um, but. Yeah, Carney on the board says at ten forty five he is a top five rated player in the world, and it, yeah, I, and, and I agree. Like that, that's uh, kind of was my whole point. Like yep. you think about two hundred and how low that sounds compared to the his his like I said his closest competitors, and mm-hmm. I know he is not taking down as many titles, but I'll be damned if he's not as loved as most of those people if, when it comes to. Mm-hmm fan favorites and things of that nature. But like you said, how many discs is he moving? That definitely makes a huge difference. If you're really well liked and loved, but you're not moving a lot of plastic, well, then uh, you get looked at a little differently. I'm going to give Johnny a little, this is some on uh, real time stuff. We real didn't time think, We didn't think we were going to have necessarily a rep from the PDGA tonight, but it looks like we may have uh, our marketing rep from the PDGA. So I'm going to work on a detail or two. If you're good with that, Johnny, I'm we good might, with whatever. We just might uh, have a little PDGA representation jump on here tonight, and uh, I got to figure out how I remembered to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, regardless, that was kind of the the uh, not just the big news, but I think the fact that. W- it's 
it's one of the earliest confirmed signings and mm-hmm. sightings, whatever you want to call it, signings more so, but also just like a confirmed like, hey, this guy's locked in. Here's the deal. Obviously, they sh- I know they must have shot that video a full week or two ago, or and then some. Uh, in terms of getting that video shot, I saw, like I said, I saw it in a rough cut format, and then provided the, you know, a little extra uh, into it at the near the very end of it. So um, they've been working on it for a while, and needless to say, congrats. All right, so I need to. Uh, sorry, I'm just nope. thinking out loud. Nope, we that's had fine. Seth Muncie on last week, so Seth would have the same link that I need to send over. Yes, 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 he would. All right, real quick, we'll talk about what happened this past weekend at the NADGT National Championships. We saw that, you know, if if you were watching live, uh, the MP, I'm sorry, I want to say, I always want to say MPO, the MA1, which is the top division at NADGT, was a blowout. Um, Corbin Milchewski, I'm sure I messed that up, Corbin, and I apologize. I'm sure I will learn your name much better over the next uh, over over the next couple uh, months and years. Uh, Corbin was the third highest rated player at the event, but he ended up finishing 21 under par. He bested uh, Loren by nine strokes, and he lost two in the final round. So he went into the final round. It looks like up by like 11 strokes or 12 strokes or something. I don't know. But either way, a crushing. He walked through the final round. Congratulations to Corbin. Uh, like I said, second place was Loren. Uh, a tie for third between Jeffrey and Cooper. So congratulations, guys. Uh, now, the FA1 division was a little bit more contested. Uh, Rebecca Minnick was, won this by two strokes. She had a five-stroke lead going into the final round, <laughs> but at one point, I don't want to say let it whittle down, but she had a slow round, and her competitors in Kimberly Dickerson and Emma Kudrick made a run at her and got her within one. Finally, on hole 16, uh, Rebecca hits a big putt, kind of puts it a little out of contention, and was is able to walk in the final hole or two and without with a little less uh, worry on her. But it did end up, you know, when I when I started uh, the weekend, I was wondering if I was going to watch it. I ended up not watching it, to be honest, because um, I looked at the five stroke lead going into the final round. I was like, "All right, well, uh, <laughs> Re- Re- Rebecca's okay. get, Rebecca's got this." Not that anything we've seen so many crazy things happen, and you know, busy weekends. But you know, uh, congratulations to these two players. Uh, Rebecca was the second highest player there behind Allison Latch, who took seventh place. Um, like I said, second place was Kim Dickerson, third place Emma Kudrick, and a tie for fourth place between Samantha Bonacci and Ashton Weberly. So there you go. There is your... Um, they have a ton of divisions here. We're not going to go through them all. There's just really not a point. These Congratulations to these NADGT champions, but really the ones that we're looking at are the ones that we might see in the future on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And, uh, you know, based on Corbin's 992 rating, he's right at that right mark where with a little bit of practice in another year or so, he might be one of those names that we see pop up on the uh, top 10 leaderboards. Yeah, and then wouldn't overall, wouldn't you look at uh, roughly the round ratings for the week? Was there, what did he, I'm sure he averaged above that. Yeah, he he shot a yeah. ten forty four, ten thirty six, and then his last two rounds were nine eighty three and nine eighty seven, which probably is why he's like a nine ninety two rated player because he has those hot rounds and then follows it up by, I'm going to throw it in quotes, not so hot rounds, but they're still in the upper nine hundreds, as opposed to you know when you or I shoot a not so hot round and 
They're in the lower 900s. So, yeah, yeah, congrats to them. And then also of note, certainly within the uh, grand scope of the event and the finale uh, for NADGT, just the fact it shows on the PDGA as 981 competitors. It was 990 or whatever when the weekend started or or just shy, 996 or 992, whatever it was. Uh, Nearly 1,000 competitors uh, all landing and being there in Austin to partake in the event. Hopefully they were all treated to good time. I, I know that this event last year had some challenges. Any any time you have a thousand people that you're trying to overall someone's not know, gonna be happy appease for- and and to make the best week of their life, it's going to be difficult. Like that that should be uh, a starting point and it sounds as if the little feedback I read in any capacity was good feedback. And it's just a matter of that uh, entire uh, tour growing, getting more uh, more reps in, and then you know ultimately delivering at a higher standard and a higher level. And I'm sure it's going to continue to improve. But um, the like I said, the little feedback I saw was very positive. And I and I know that they had some opportunities. From the previous year, from the previous feedback I had seen. Also, great to see you know a number of our players that were down there in some capacity. I'm sure a lot of them were offering up you know wares and discs and such. In Isaac terms of the Fly Mart. Alden, I think I saw down yeah. there. Isaac Robinson, Alden and Harris, Ezra. Ricky. Yep. Yeah, Ricky. Was I think was down there at some point um, as well, uh, and a number of other. Players. Emerson, maybe. I know Emerson is. in... That would make sense. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure if Emerson was there, but so, he is out of Texas. So yeah, so really cool to see. Uh, con- congrats uh, to all the not only the people that make it there, the people that make that trip. Clearly, we talk about AM Nationals, we talk about U.S. Women's, we talk about AM and/or Junior Worlds. This is right there now becoming as part of that conversation as a as a culminating event at the end of the year, and hopefully, uh, you know, it, kind of seeing the fruits of your labor. It's pay off. really funny because we used to think when we were younger that whoever won AM World, it's just it was a matter of waiting, like who's going to pick him up or her up, which team are they going to get on? It was a given, and I don't necessarily think that's the case so much anymore. I think you need to show a little bit more consistency in winning maybe am worlds, but also NADGT could do that as well as the, uh, 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 the, the, the Michigan, the yeah national amateur championships. Yeah. The national amateur championships. Um, well, half these people, you're not worried about who they're going to get sponsored by. Cause they're already sponsored. Most of them already. Yeah. <laughs> they're already Just on whether somebody's not they're gonna, radar. They're, whether or not they're going to keep the same sponsor. Then yeah, that, <laughs> that's gonna... certainly possible. All right. Um, we're going to, we've got a, yeah, guess we can sidetrack. We're going to come back a little bit later, and we're going to uh, we'll recap some Myrtle Beach action. We but, got a, uh, two more eight tiers. We'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, we can talk about that. We've also got some what a wedding we could talk about. We'll yeah. talk about all that in a minute. But uh, one of our voices that you sometimes hear chime in as we get ready for a broadcast, and then also delivers some news and helps oversee a number of the people uh, and some of the communications that come from our friends at the PDGA. I think he's a marketing director or a name, title, something of that nature. Danny Voss joins us. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. Phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining. And full disclosure uh, for everyone out there, I, I had reached out to Danny, said if he's got anything he wants to chat about. I know it's short notice. Danny obliging. And uh, Danny, let's start here. What, what's your official title and who do you boss around? <laughs> uh, so I'm the director of marketing for the PDGA. Uh, 
my direct team includes media manager, uh, Matthew Rothstein, communications manager, Hayden Henry, brand manager, Grant Zellner, uh, and then graphic design specialist, Caitlin Sapone, who did the whole PDGA rebrand in-house, like by her, well, yeah, she did all the like illustration by herself and stuff. Uh, and then digital market, uh, yeah, digital marketing specialist, Jenny Great, Greathouse Nance. So um, really good team. And uh, those are the people that I boss around. Uh, <laughs> when the, when those yeah. guys go out to dinner and have a few drinks, then that's when they start talking about Danny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so oddly enough, <laughs> you'll never guess where the team is right now. Uh, uh, well, we are actually, we came together to do like a, a marketing and media team summit. Uh, we do this like once a year where we kind of come together and uh, just face to face interact and do a lot of like strategy planning for uh, next year and stuff like that. So um, it's it's been a really good time and we've been really like connecting well and putting stuff together. That's really good. And uh, yeah, you know, talking a little trash when we, we went and played. Uh, we're in Austin. We played Roy G and, uh, you know talk plenty of smack it was awesome so uh, uh all still, right i mean we're competitors at the at the end of the day you know what i mean yeah and so. and then at, at no point does anybody get out the the pdga app and uh pdga app and then like make any complaints or or report any bugs or any frustrations you guys keep it all within your departments i'm sure uh, not that there are any bugs we, we love you guys out there um so thank you for joining, and and I, I want to follow up immediately. One of the things that I just got from your team, you and your team, a few days ago was essentially like a really brief survey that I got. I want to say it was maybe on Instagram, and I completed it, and it essentially said like, hey, here's seven-ish or so you know, possibilities how do you, how do you personally value or rank these things in terms of priority for for you meaning for me how how do i rank right. those and then i was able to just shift them around with wherever i wanted to put them and then it left a, a you know kind of an open space to to make a remark we have literally a, almost 300,000 potential members uh how in the world do you guys in any way funnel or channel feedback constructive feedback like where does that even begin sure so within the context of like that survey uh, we started deploying some of these like micro surveys uh the one the week before that was just tell us what other interests you have there's just one question mm. um and then for this one it's we're, i'm trying to keep these like really really short and we're also not doing a lot of like really really targeted communication right now um as much as we love to hear ourselves talk or like read our own words, I'm not really in the interest of like spamming the members. <laughs> uh, not yet anyways. Uh, but so we just kind of discreetly put it in the newsletter or, you know, somewhat discreetly and then get the feedback that way. And I think that's re resulting in like, Hey, here's people with like really good feedback and uh, the, you know, they just put it together. But I mean, honestly, in this context for this stuff, the, the responses are, you know, fairly, fairly minimal because we're only putting in, in through that one channel right now. Um, so it's easy to digest that data. It's not that complicated yet. Um, when we expand it, then we'll definitely get into like when we're kind of cashing in on our other platforms like social media and stuff. It's going to be crazy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, we're, we're just using like a standard uh, 
you know, like survey monkey thing. And it just sends you back all the information nice and color coded and everything. So it's, it's really easy. It's just a little extra deployment that we're checking out right now. So, um, where it really gets interesting is the feedback for things like, um, the public comment for rules and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a ton of feedback, but people like Steve Gans and Michael Sullivan and the entire event support team and, and the operations and logistics guys, you know, they look through that and, um, and, and monitor what comes in. And, uh, I mean, they were saying there was, the article said how many, um, responses there were, I don't recall what, it, what that number was off the top of my head, but you know, it's significant. And then they collate it and make everything make sense and condense that feedback. And, um, you know, I think that's that's really good. I'm really glad that I'm not in charge of that project, to be honest. <laughs> well, and, and I guess maybe one of my initial thoughts is, you know, this this micro survey you just put out, let's just say it had seven options for how you prioritize. I, what I worry, and maybe I'm crazy in this, but I worry you get 3,000 responses back and all seven out of 3,000 people, all seven of those options are like a number one priority to somebody. And then somehow it just like, it, it doesn't become crystal clear. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's, it's almost an even wash or, or relatively even across the board. And then I wonder, did, you know, does that, I mean, obviously it tells you still an answer, but does that give you a clear and distinct answer at that point? If, if there's no clear cut winners. Yeah. I mean, and, what where there aren't necessary we don't know what the action is going to be from this data yet uh you know it might come into play a little bit with some prioritization and budgeting and things like mm. that uh i don't see right now any of like the, those uh particular answers getting cut or anything like that so i don't think there's really like much of a concern but if there's if they're like but i will say if there was like a huge response overwhelming response for more shot by shot coverage at, you know, events where there's not, uh, you know, DGN as one of our partners, or we haven't already negotiated something. I mean, you've done this for us in the past couple of years since I've been here. So, you know, that's, that's where we can maybe identify some of those opportunities where it's like that this is what we might push a little bit more into and stuff like that. So I only see this right now as being a, what can we prioritize and add to rather than, what should, we, what should we get rid of just yet? So, okay. Um, no, no real possible concern, I would say. Uh, one of the more recent call-outs, you know, whether it's been uh, through our broadcast and then also just from the PDGA's communication is the call-out for majors and the bidding process mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, people finding what it takes to have a bid and then submitting a qualified bid. Obviously, there's a deadline to that. Where are we at? Where does that go from here? And then, and then, is that on the table for you guys right now? Are those some of the things that you and your team look at, or is that an entirely separate team? Right. So a lot of that really goes through the operations and logistics team, as well as the majors committee. Um, I Matthew Rothstein on my team. He's a part of that committee, and I think that for us, we're going to do a little bit more to get a little bit more involved there. But, you know, the the DGN has some influence there because for the MPO and FPO majors where they're going to be operating, you know, they kind of need to go test cell signal cell mm-hmm. signal and stuff like that and make sure that we're, we're looking good. Um, you know, that's not quite the same priority at, say, like Tim Solinsky. 
Um, but at the same time, that might be an opportunity for us to like, you know, either work with DGN as, you know, kind of our trusted partner there or, or do something else. Um, and maybe based on the feedback from that survey, we were just discussing, uh, you know, deploy more, uh, resources there. Um, but yeah, the right now with the majors process, so the bidding closed on November 1st. Uh, and so the timeline right now is to get everybody to read those bids, like the share, uh, the stakeholders that have to make sure that everything is in the right place and the bid looks good and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's going to be a busy year because there were for the, for the majors that get bid, um, there were quite a few responses. I mean, only one event had two bids, which obviously isn't very many, but like the other ones were four for Selinsky, four for Masters Worlds, four, four for Junior Worlds, uh, four for Am Worlds, uh, and seven for U.S. Women's, Dang, which wow. is super cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, and I can't recall all the like different locations off the top of my head either right now. I mean, that's a lot to remember. Of course. Of <laughs> uh, and course. I'm very, very good at reading them. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that process and, uh, and seeing where like the, op- like the event support team and the operations guys, you know, s- decide to take us. Um, for those majors, uh, it's, it's going to be great. So, um, we have tried to prioritize that too. the communications around the majors, because, you know, every tournament is pretty much every tournament's run by a volunteer staff still. Right. I mean, for, from pro worlds to, you know, your local league or C tier, um, and, you know, PDJ comes in and does a lot of support, but, uh, you know, recognizing those like really trusted partners and like working with those local organizing committees uh, is a big part of the sport and, you know, the culture that has been around forever. And uh, what we're trying to do kind of partly d- through this summit and we are bringing in the operations and logistics team tomorrow is to figure out opportunities for where we can enhance these majors and make them even better and provide even more support to the LOCs and, and stuff like that. Um, because we really want to make those pinnacle events, uh, elite for everyone from the MPO and FPO worlds to junior worlds to Tim Selinski and all that stuff. And, um, I think this year went, went really well for a lot of those majors, uh, but there's just always room for improvement and, I think that's like the ultimate goal for us right now. Well, I, I feel as if, and kind of along those lines, I feel as if uh, an area that maybe needs some distinction or clarification is it's got to be tough when the PDGA is essentially in charge or is is there in a, a major support role as opposed to some events largely are DGPT events where the DGPT staff and DGN staff are kind of leading the charge and the PDGA is, I don't want to call it backseat, but PDGA is there to support versus mm-hmm. some other events where the PDGA and the staff and the crew, along with the organizing committee, are essentially out in front and there might be others that are supporting them. Do you know what I mean? And I think I think that could be a good area. I think that, let me rephrase this, that could be a confusion uh, hiccup for some. Right. Because you get to, we'll just say, a ruling, and we're on hole 14, and we're watching Ricky and Paul 
have a conversation about a ruling, and then fast forward, and and then someone steps in and then helps, and then fast forward two weeks later, and it's um, Johnny McCray and Patrick Brown playing MP50 at an event, but different people are helping with that ruling. And I think just maybe a as being as clear as possible as to who's providing what roles might help with some of the the viewers. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's not relevant. I don't know, but I could see some confusion by like, kind of like who's running this show. If, if I'm just, you know, saying it kind of bluntly, like somebody saying that or wondering who's in charge here anyway. Right. Do you guys find that to be a problem? Uh, you know, that is something that sort of came up uh, today when we were discussing um, like our partnership with the pro tour um, where like a theme has been, you know, who owns this and mm-hmm. we're talking about newsletter to designing caddy books to our yeah. representation at the majors and pro tour stuff so um and you know sometimes there are question marks to be honest and it's like hmm, who should really be leading the charge on this uh <clears throat> and i know that that's something that like doug Birkus is going to really uh dial in with his team on thursday when they have their like kind of separate session so um Again, I think that we've been doing well, especially with our partnership with the Pro Tour. Um, and like for a little clarification for anybody that's listening is that, you know, the people do kind of get this thing kind of kind of jumbled up. Like Pro Tour and PDGA, they're like two separate and like competitive entities. And that's really, really not true. <laughs> um, and we do go to the Pro Tour events to support those. And they are the boss at those events because mm-hmm. they own those events. And then, yeah, when they come to pro world or champions cup, um, you know, the PDGA is the leader there. And then people like, you know, like Phil come in and, uh, and like Bill Randolph and stuff. And they come in and say, all right, guys, where do you need us? I mean, you know, Phil has marshaled and just gone out there and, at world who's like weed whacking and stuff like just doing <laughs> sure. all sorts of junk and i mean that's just the way that it works in those different when you're in the different arenas then you you go and accomplish the goal that makes sense for you and your in your organization and then just who's taking the lead depends on um you know which events it is so yeah and so anyways i think like to answer your question a little bit better i think that defining these things a little bit is mm-hmm. is certainly a goal for us um, and we communicate with the pro tour tons and I think getting everybody just kind of aligned really well is, is going to be the first thing that makes the 2024 season, the ma- PDJ majors and the pro tour, uh, just be top notch and be even better than this year, which was awesome. So, um, it's exciting and, but we got to get through, like, it, if you were in the room during our talks today, you could easily have fallen asleep because it was kind of like super corporate and that kind of sort of talk. It wasn't, you know, getting really, really exciting stuff, but you know, you gotta, you gotta like eat your vegetables and then you can have your ice cream. Kind of a thing. <laughs> Tomorrow's the ice cream. Tomorrow's the, the, the fun ones. So. <laughs> oh, tomorrow with the operations and logistics team, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be something I'm looking forward to it because with all, we're going to do a bunch of talk about rules and the majors and communicating about the majors and stuff. So um, there's probably going to be some parts where it's maybe a little bit of a snooze fest for people that aren't, you know, literally doing the work. Um, 
but there's going to be some stuff like some exercises that we're doing with communication about roles that I think is going to be really interesting. And uh, we'll probably scan a whole range of emotions where people are like, that doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. And some people like that are really trying to champion something. So we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited for it though. And it'll create some really good um, media and education for not just PDGA members, but anybody that wants to play disc golf and look up the rules or anything like that. We, we plan to have some really fun and enticing media ready for, for the whole global community. Yeah, and we don't we don't want to so to speak uh, beat to death, especially with you being from the more so from the marketing perspective. But obviously, rules were adopted and you know kind of finalized for what we're going to see for twenty twenty four. Rather than like the minutia of the individual rules and the, every little detail as to how any of them were adjusted, just maybe give a high level overview of of that process and 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 again, who's who who. Who cares? Like, who cares the most as to how it comes about and unfolded? Uh, because I think there's a lot of misconception about the rules and then how they're either changed or adopted or or transformed. Right. Yeah. So the the way the process works, and I'm really simplifying this here. Mm-hmm. So when if if Sully, you know, Michael Sullivan sees this, or Steve Gans or Michael Downs, and I get this wrong. <laughs> or whatever too simplified just, we'll take, guys. just put it in the okay. newsletter yeah, just then you, you yeah, just put a you can put a addendum to the newsletter yeah the pdga has never um, had issues with you guys coming on podcasts don't worry yeah they've all <laughs> yeah. been good where are my sunglasses <laughs> uh, still too soon uh for all the new disc golfers out there we'll tell you later yeah uh but anyways, ask your parents um, yeah, from the way back before times in 2021 <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, <laughs> I can't believe I went there, but whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, so the way that the process works, it's like this constant cycle. Um, and it's like a year long deal with, with the rules. So kind of starts with the rules and competition committees coming together and saying, Hey, this is like feedback that we received via email or on the ground or whatever. Let's get a proposal that we send to the board of directors and uh, say, here are some things that that we've identified as requests or anecdotal evidence or whatever, or maybe it's solid like analytical evidence that says maybe we should take a look at this. And so then, and this just happened at the board of directors summit that was two weeks ago um, or last week or something like that. Um, what is time, anyways? But <laughs> so what they'll do is they'll that that a rules committee will basically showcase those rules that they think they should work on and provide kind of a little bit of context. Like we really think we recommend that the board instructs, uh, directs us to work on this, or they might say, eh, honestly, we're not all completely sold on this or, um, but we could work on it if the board of directors thinks we should and wants to prioritize it. Or they might say, Hey, this is a red light. We really don't think we should work on it. You know, this is one thing that, was sent to us, you know, maybe only a handful of times, but we do want to bring it to your attention. Um, those are very few. A lot of times they do want to just get the work done and, and address any sort of feedback on the rules. So anyways, that gets presented to the board like it just did. Then the rules and competition committees come together and figure out possible solutions. And those are presented to the board of directors in the spring. And 
that's to say like, okay, this is what we came up with. Does this, does this make sense to you guys? Can you approve this? And, and, or what feedback do you have? Then the board will usually say, here's a few tweaks that we want you guys to consider to the rules and competition committee. And then they'll say, you know, go back, work on this, refine this this way. Did you guys consider how this is working or, or how this could be a potential, uh, there might be a potential conflict in the future. And then the rules of competition committee will usually go back and then maybe as late as the fall summit um, present the final like rule change uh, one by one to the board of directors. And then that's when they would, the board of directors would say, okay, that's approved. Or they might say, Hey, you, there's still work that needs to be done here. Um, but so the, it's kind of like that cycle. It's like almost like a, uh, a three-stop cycle where the board mm-hmm. is presented with uh, proposed rule changes, basically, and then they vote, you know, yay or nay. And then it goes to the public comment where any PDGA member can say, well, if you ask me, I think that rule's dumb. And we certainly hear that plenty. Uh, or there's people that are like, actually, I'm really supportive of this. So, you know, there were... Um, an example of this was the, there was a proposal for the D tiers and making C tiers exclusive to PDGA members only. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the response to that was, uh, we don't really like that. And we, so we said, this is not going to make people happy. We're not going to just make a rule to make a rule. So um, we're just not going to do this right now. So, mm-hmm. Is there merit in the that that suggestion? The D tier and like C C tiers are just for members. Sure, I mean you could argue either point. I tend to agree. I think that it would be a little hasty at this time to to do that and make the C tiers exclusive. Um, so I'm happy with that with that result. Um, but it's a whole process. I mean, a lot of really smart people did a lot of you know deep deep analysis and discussion on these things, and you know for the most part, I think it comes out to the right conclusion, um, you know, and some, and sometimes the rules are still a little difficult to understand because they have to kind of be written in Belize type of a, you know, mm-hmm. language and uh, because of rules and it's like the laws. And so you have to make things very, very <laughs> like, like uh, black and white, but sometimes a picture is going to explain a little bit than the rule itself, you know? And so that's the kind of thing that we're going to be working on uh, a little bit more here. Wow, who's in charge of drawing? Caitlin. Okay, that Caitlin's makes sense. Are, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I, it, it's so much more of a process than I think most people think. I feel as if, by and large, a lot of people are like, oh, a couple of people sat together in a room uh, one day just decide to think of the dumbest rule they could possibly think of. And then just all of a sudden it's, it's that's enacted. What, that's what we're for. And like, it's so much more than that. Um, and, and coincidentally, I, I disagree with you. I, I, I think we've evolved as a sport in an organization to where even C tier uh, requiring membership at a C tier, I don't think is the worst thing. Uh, however, uh, if, you know, I know that was proposed. It ultimately was then the feedback came in. It seemed to be resounding enough that people didn't like it. So you listen, you know, whether that's just a sheer majority or whatever, uh, and that wasn't implemented. And I, I love the process, whether I agree with it or not, I, with the outcome, I love the actual process that goes into it. It's so much more 
involved though than most people realize. And that's partly why I, right. I teed up the question for you because it's, it's not flippant at all. And this is obviously really serious stuff. And let's face it. We all have rules and non-rules that we think either should be enacted or enforced or, right. or, uh, you know, should be created or completely abolished. Everyone's going to have some personal opinion on them, but by and large, uh, you know, the committee does the job and gets it done. Um, and, and I, and I definitely didn't want to get too far into like all of rules with you. I know that's also not necessarily your specialty, not that you don't know them, but it's not your specialty within, uh, your, your task and your role from a marketing perspective within the PDGA. And I know this is kind of a big question, but, is there any one thing that you, you and maybe it's not the same with the organization, but that you personally feel like is 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 an opportunity that's just you're, you can't wait to take? You can't wait to dive into or just there's just, you know, there's something that's so big. It's the elephant in the room or it's this big opportunity on the table and you just need to seize it. Is is there anything that jumps out at you? Yeah, um, I think international impact for and and attracting international members um you know we are the global governing body for the sport of disc golf um and the only thing that makes that a little bit difficult to say is that our um majority of our members are in north america Mm -hmm. you know and and the u.s and canada um which i mean obviously is great i mean BDJ and the sport of disc golf have been doing well uh, with, with that, but it's also, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's like the argument of how do you call it worlds? And it's never outside of North America, hosted outside <laughs> of North America. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, it's, it could be, and saying, it will be sometime, also, you know, and it will be some as soon as next year. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's um I think so. I think that should be a priority. Um, and of course, as far as membership goes, you know, attracting a more diverse community to disc golf has always been a, a, a goal. Um, and so, you know, the, the classic example is there are like 7.4% of PDJ members are women. And it's just, well, like, can we change that? And so figuring out ways that we can attract those, those markets is really good. And, um, and, so whether it's like more more uh, female members getting more diversity through our like cultural and international uh, descriptions, that would be fine. Um, you know, getting juniors involved as well. Like that's a big part of elevating junior worlds and doing a lot of media coverage at those events because, you know, you can't you can't see what you don't see or whatever that expression is. You know what I mean? If If it's not there to be seen then people just might not even know. So that's why we put a lot of effort into, into coverage like that. Um, so I think that's a lot of, a lot of that example and, and, and examples of how we're going to try to address that. But there's more, there's more that needs to be done and we just kind of have to get some minds together and figure it out. But those would be my priorities basically, I think. Well, if, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's this place called Thailand, and they're we're trying to develop the international scene over there. And I know a guy that could maybe offer you a palm tree or two. Or do or you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, in all seriousness, no. When you, we look at 
you know, kind of shifting gears into, you know, like you said, coverage and, and, uh, you know, notoriety and, and, and just kind of shining a, a light. Is it at all, I don't want to say discouraging, but when, when you put in effort into non MPO FPO coverage, as in we're, we're showcasing and highlighting our up and comers, our amateurs or our juniors or whatever, um, What's that conversation like? Because you're not seeing the return in terms of views, for instance, and the overall publicity. You're not seeing that that we see when Ricky and Paul and Eagle and Simon play in a round of golf. So uh, do do you guys care about that? Maybe that's the best question. Is Do you care, or is it more of an archival showcase, you know, agenda? You know, what, what's that balancing act like? Yeah, totally. Um, I think as the global governing body of the sport and, you know, one of the oldest institutions that's been propped up for the sport and, you know, longest running as well, it's kind of our job and like our responsibility to be stewards of like the sports history and, and everything like that. So yeah, like somewhat serving as a uh, like a uh, like a I don't know cultural touch point that people can con- continue to come back to is really important. Um, and sure, like I'm the, I actually am pulled up a uh, like a little anal for the YouTube coverage that we did, mm-hmm. and yeah, some of these events are not necessarily the most um, commercially. Uh, maybe sought out for, you know, because of modest, um, like I'm one right now. I mean, Amworld, Amworlds was 69,000 total views over. So the MA one and FA one coverage, mm-hmm. you know, junior worlds was 50,000, you know? So, I mean, it's not nothing, but uh, it's certainly not like something that we do for money. <laughs> um, sure. We don't even monetize. We don't even monetize our videos. So, mm-hmm. Um, so you shouldn't be seeing like commercials or anything like that. So, uh, it's really to try to get more accessibility. And we've also been attempting to create other like channels. So really good, uh, photographers that we contract with, um, even Corey Merle came out to pro worlds and we worked with him there for just new types of content that we haven't historically done. And again, it's really about getting more people to see uh see the sport just kind of try to saturate the market with information and uh at the very least i mean um we could um so far it's been working don't that on the thing and that um there's not a lot of progress there, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a considered when it comes to picking. <laughs> All right, Danny, you're, you're starting to get really choppy on us. Your internet got a little, your internet got a little glitchy on us there for a minute. It's that, yeah. it's that great hotel internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are, are you, are you watching? You're trying to prop up all those views. Are you watching while you're talking to us? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think we got the gist of what you're saying though. Uh, well, with that, we're going to, we're going to start to cut you loose here. Cause then, uh, we won't have you chopping in and out in and out of us. Uh, I had another question though. 
I don't recall what it was, but uh, I, here, here's what I want to say as uh, I want to just say, first of all, thank you for joining us. I know it's short notice. I know you guys are doing a bunch of things this week. Well, we've said here for years, and, and we'll say it publicly again, when the PDGA has initiatives or, or new employees or new ideas, uh, new programs, whatever the case is, you know, you guys have allies here in Smashbox where we're more than happy to amplify uh, any kind of things that's going on. Johnny and I have both been members for more than 20 years, 25, almost 30 years. Don't say that. That uh, makes us sound really old. <laughs> well, well, uh, no, we just, we got in early. We got in early. We got in early. Okay, good, but, good. Yes. Uh, and I think, and, and I, what I'm getting at too, though, is more than just the initiatives, I think it would be great if we could, if we could get more PDGA, either board members and or staff members here so we could shine light on what some of these people are doing. I mean, right now, people think, oh, it's easy just to go online and complain when something's not going their way. Like, let's start putting some faces out there and and having people describe what a day-to-day job looks like, whether you're a big dog or, or a Michael Downs or, or literally anyone on the staff that you've mentioned. Every one of those people have way more to do than I think – most of the public realizes. And I think there's a reason they're full-time positions. Exactly. And I, I would love to help uh, amplify and, and uh, showcase uh, some of those people and the skill sets that make the PDGA go around. So keep that in your back pocket that anytime, uh, you know, you think it's, yeah, we'll take anyone pretty much anytime. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be negative. Everybody thinks, let's get the PDGA on because we want to grill them or question them or, or badger or something like that. And that's, that's not really our style. We want, we want answers sometimes, but we also want to make sure that we're talking to the, to the people that are making this entire organization tech. So. Yeah. Um, our, is my connection a little better? No. It's a little bit better, and it sounds like it's going to be choppy. So, if you could give us give us some of your final words, like I said, this this will kind of keep us brief anyway. So, if you want to give us any parting shots or final words, uh, please bring it on. Okay, hopefully you can hear it. But mm-hmm. if you have feedback, you can email us uh, the media team. It's media at PDGA, and that might help inform some of the things that we could address here. Uh, so if the audience has any feedback, f- feel free to let me know. You know, I'm sure you guys could let me know as well, but just whatever can- comes up. And um, I, have a, I have a suspicion that Todd Lyons in the chat and he works on the event support team. Uh, one of the smartest minds in disc golf. Uh, and, you know, I think he's been on Smashbox before. So yes, we, can, we can get guys like him out there and he can... <laughs> This dude knows everything there is to know about disc golf, especially like obviously what he does for a living too. So um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get more people out here so we can, you know, show how membership dollars are working and stuff like that. So yes, we are. uh, We're all about it. I have the pleasure of, of seeing and interacting with so many people uh, within the PDGA and I, I want to be able to share um, some of those experiences and those insights that I get week in and week out. And I, I, like you said, I think that's a great way to put it is to see where our membership dollars are going and, and, uh, the work that's getting put in. So, uh, Danny, we appreciate again, you joining us kind of short notice. Uh, we wish you the best of luck throughout the rest of the week. And, uh, as more things move forward into prepping for 2024, uh, we're here for you guys and, uh, ready to do whatever we can to uh, help push us forward. And, uh, yeah, you're going to get a follow up on that Southeast Asia development we're working on. <laughs> so, uh, Perfect. just plan on that. 
All right, pal. Have hey, a good one, night. One Thanks more. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. See ya. Thanks, Danny. All right. Danny Voss joining us tonight to give us some good insight. Good insight. And and I, I, I will say that again. <laughs> when you and I joined Johnny, uh, I'm just saying it was one and a half. It was, yeah, Brian Honiger, guru, as he goes by, and his wife, Lori. And she was a part-time employee. And she was, at that time, I believe, a part-time employee. There was one and a half full-time positions within the PDGA. Hmm. And now, uh, obviously, the large boom of uh, boost and boom of COVID helped significantly. But even before that, we grew into the International Disc Golf Center, thanks to Brian Graham, who uh, helped champion that and put it together. Uh, and then to see Joe Chargaloff take over after Brian Graham. And uh, as we continue to expand into this very significant staff that is the PDJ, it's it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, I, I, I think we should be showcasing. Honestly, like we could almost talk to a staff member every other week. Uh, and then you put in a board member, we could fill an entire year worth of having a different person just about every week. Uh, there's enough insight and content out there. So we'll take you guys at any time and uh, go from there. One of the things that, speaking of rules that we were kind of talking about, I was while Danny was on, I was scrolling through the different rules. One of the new rules kind of related to media is that there is a change in 3.06, which is tour player media and sponsor relations. And what it says now, it used to say media personnel should refrain from interviewing a player until after they have officially submitted their scorecard. Now it says players should not engage in media interviews until after they have officially submitted a scorecard. And I, I saw a little bit of rumblings on the internet like oh good 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 that means the players are gonna you know get a get a break after the round but i don't think that's what this means our scorecards are digitally submitted 95 or more percent of the time um i think what this is is just that this is putting the onus on the player and not the media because this is a remember this rule book is for the players this competition is for the players this isn't a media rule book Mm -hmm. so what this does is this rephrases the question or the not it's not a question rephrases the statement from the media personnel to the player and as we know you can tap out everybody's got their scorecard now Next year, everybody will be carrying a digital scorecard or maybe a physical one, depending on what this goes on. But my guess is probably digital. Afterwards, everyone will kind of sit there, submit scores. And it's going to take all of about a minute to verify scores. Probably just double check that everybody has the same name. Everyone has the same score, I mean, and the same number on each hole. So it's the right score on every hole. And then they'll be open for an interview. It's not, I don't think this changes too much next year from a media. Uh, Well, what I'll say is I feel like this was largely adopted and mostly applied this year. Anyway, again, a little back background in that our protocol is so that the player taps in and uh, they'll have you know whatever a, a quick celebration within within the, the the card or the group or friends and family running up. The player taps in. They are supposed to then walk to the rest of the group wherever that is to complete their scorecard. 
That's when we're setting up, so to speak, near the basket or near wherever from a from a champion's interview perspective. That's where we set up in the media. And then after it's submitted, they come talk to us. Now, that didn't happen at 100% of the live events. I'm not going to kid anyone and say that it did. But it happened at most of them. That mm-hmm. is that is the protocol that was yet again now kind of con- concocted all, and landed upon. It's always a because we've had a number fluid. of them. Yeah, it, we've had yeah. a number of them, but that's the general protocol in which is supposed to have been taking place mm-hmm. most this year. Now there's just sometimes that awkwardness, and I made a a post yeah. that got a little traction mm-hmm. when someone said this is a a problem. You know what can happen. And then that's when I made the joke and said, yeah, as soon as Ricky taps in, if he looks at me and then starts thanking sponsors and and thanking friends and family, I mean, do I pull out a yellow card or a red card and (laughs) and start giving him strokes like, shut up, shut up, and and penalizing him? Of course not. But every player, depending on their their, um, – what's the word I'm looking for? How how often they win or their uh, experience – Every player feels a little different, and sometimes it's going to be within the moment. Did you hit a 50-footer that was, so to speak, to win it? Or were you about to tap or in were you, you won by nine? Yeah, and, and Like, every 100%. situation is so different. Now, here, here's where the conversation always continues, which, again, some people love and some people hate, which is, oh, that's good. Then we're not going to hear any more terrible interviews the second they tapped in because they haven't even had a second to think about Oh, you're it. still going to do terrible interviews, Terry. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, just the, the <laughs> fact that people think that they haven't processed it. Now they're going to have, again, the 60 seconds to process it. Do they feel different? The, the flip side of that very coin when you say, hey, I hate those. I hate it when a mic gets shoved in their face the second after they win. There are plenty of people on the other side that say, I love the raw emotion. I love how they react. It's it is the rawest, purest emotion immediately after it happens, and I love that side of it. So I'm just telling you, there are two sides to that coin. A lot of people, I, I've I've just seen it from both sides. I I understand you want them to let it sink in, but let's be real. Some people we talk to them two days later, and they're like, I still don't know how to feel, <laughs> like because they're on our yeah. show everyone's emotions and their experience is going to be different. The protocol, protocol, however, yes, let them, of course, add their scorecard. And I get it. That's, I mean, that's a purely logistical, sound, logical way to do it. Because you'd hate for, you know, somebody taps in, they think they won. Most most people think they win. And then, you know, the rest of the cards over, they're adding up the scores. And they're like, wait a minute, we have you off by two or by one. We get it. Like, of course, the the gulf is what does come first, and I'm I'm never going to suggest otherwise. Uh, but this is the protocol that was largely attempted this year. Sometimes, if anyone's effing it up, honestly, it's the player. So I like what you said, where within the rule book it says the player should not engage. Um, and so, no, I'm not going to be pulling anyone by the hair. <laughs> I got Ricky's belt loop and pulling him over. Get the lasso, and you know. The Texas event, none of that's going to happen. All right. Just thought I'd bring that up. Yep. And that that's really, I mean, other than that, obviously most of us have already talked about or shown the the, the rules. Yeah, I think the other whatnot. big scoring, uh, score-related one, too, is, yes, that everyone within the group now will be responsible for scoring. That will continue to be met with mixed emotion. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, that, just to be clear... 
that can be four people doing it on the PDGA. Correct. There's, I think a lot of people have this misconception that it's a paper that means scorecard. Or one person has to do it on PDGA, and then anywhere from one to three other people have mm-hmm. to be doing it on paper. That's not necessarily the case either. They it could be and, that, but that's not the requirement. And you do not get penalized if somebody else submits a wrong scorecard for you. If your scorecard is correct, somebody else submits a wrong one, you do not get penalized. Yeah. So it. Um, so just read the rules. Exactly. It's they're out there. We're gonna, get a caddy while you're at it. Get, if you hate it so much, get a caddy. Pay a get a caddy. caddy that just does the scoring. And then there's some people that bag. don't like their bags Correct. carried. Have a friend or a caddy or whomever. Just just be your scorekeeper for you on your behalf. You have sure. one support person, and maybe that support person turns into a scoring person. Tinder for caddies. There it is. That's what I'm. That's the next app I'm going to make. Hmm. Think. Huh? I'm just, just you know, finds people thinking of a local swipe friend. right or swipe left <laughs> reference, but I, I don't think that any of them would be appropriate. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, the 2023 Innova Discs Myrtle Beach Open tournament director Chad Sullivan taking this one to town. Joey Anderson, Joey Buckets, winning yep. in extra holes. Over Braden Sides. Congratulations, Joey and Braden. They both shot 29, but of course, Joey gets the $2,000 prize where Braden takes home the $1,500 prize. In third place, Andrew Marweed. Fourth place, Grady Shoe. And a three way tie for fifth between Evan Scott, Micah Groth, and Kale Leviska. So, congratulations. I've seen lots of pictures from Kale on social media down there, just enjoying Myrtle Beach with his wife and kid. Yeah. What a. What a rough life to live. He's down. Uh, I think he's working on a course design in the area and then also uh, doing some uh, off-season snowbirding down in that area <laughs> for a little while. I was going to call it vacation. I, it's probably not a vacation. Not 100% vacation, but I'm, I don't think he's... Uh, he, let's put it this way. He's doing less work there than he would be at some course up here in uh, Minnesota that he tends to be you know, busting his ass at every week doing something or other. So I'm happy that Kale gets a break. In the FPO division, Paige Shue wins this one by a single stroke over Holly Finley. Third place, Rebecca Cox and Deanne Carey. And in fifth place, Juliana Corver, the ageless wonder. So congratulations to our FPO and our MPO competitors. Uh, we're going to move over to Arlington, Texas for the VPO, the Veterans Park Open. This is a long-time event, especially for Terry and I. This About oh, 33 years. Yeah, this is one of those events that you and I, uh, it, we everybody looked forward to the results of the VPO when we were younger. You were, you'd get your magazine and look through and see who won. Uh, Barry Schultz won it a couple times, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at first place, Mason Marchbanks, who's a 10-10 rated player, wins by two strokes, taking home $1,950, beating the likes of second place, Luke Humphreys and Emerson Keith. Which answers the question. Emerson Keith was not at the NADGT, uh, as I maybe maybe uh, anticipated. He was here this weekend, uh, taking uh, second place, and in fourth place, a three-way tie between Freddie Meza, Jaden Rye, and Micah Tatro. Not Micah Groth. That'd be hard for him to be in both places. So Micah Tatro. That was a three-way tie for fourth place. Going down to the FPO division, a smaller field, just three players and. Holland Handley handily wins this one. Holland handily. Yeah, over Emily Weatherman, 37 strokes. Um, Holland is just in 
midseason form, shooting 996, 999, and a thousand rated golf. So that is that's enough to win you dang an elite series event if you're lucky there. Maybe at worst place, second place. But yeah, uh, congratulations, Holland, who's shooting some good golf, hot hot golf. And I'm going to mention it just because I happen to see it. He's our age, so he understands the significance of the VPO on a personal level. He finished second, I think, four times in a row, he told me the other day. Ouch. Ouch. I need to reach out to him. I haven't chatted with that guy in a while. Eric McCabe wins MP40. Congratulations, Emac, on your uh, MP40 win at the VPO. Finally getting it. Happy to see it, buddy. Happy to see it for you. Yes, congrats. And uh, that's the extent of our A-tiers that we need to talk about this week. Okay. I had another one before Danny joined us. I know you were showing us Myrtle Beach or something else I was going to uh, dive into. It clearly wasn't important. It it has slipped my mind. The other question I was going to ask for Danny, and and you kind of touched on it earlier, is just, you know, look at... Look at what Cali has done. We're going to get Cali on at some point during this off season, but look at what Cali has done just a year ago, a little less than a year ago. We had her on talking about the development of the Masters Tour, and now here she is with it fully recognized, as you called earlier, on the PDGA schedule. Yeah. She also, I think, made an update saying shortly after uh, there was an Ultra World article released talking about um, A-tiers and and. She said, "There's going to be even more events. Don't don't just go by what's within that article, so to speak." So, just, she's to, building upon it. I'm it, curious if there's going to be more DGMT A tiers or just more DG, DGMT events, because yeah. I, I'm I'm sure that there will be more DGMT events. The question is, will there be each A tiers, or is this more or less the settled A tier? tournament schedule and that she maybe sure. will add some B tiers in there, some large B tiers that we've seen something like maybe like the rumble or something like that. Yeah. Um, those, those type of events would not shock me looking forward to hearing from Callie at some point. Uh, yes. And a couple of, uh, I'm going to give a selfish plug here. The cold Turkey is essentially filled up on Saturday's side. Uh, that's the event, the C tier that I'll be running in a little less than a little more than two weeks. Uh, it has kind of officially filled up on the pro slash advanced side, 72 players. Uh, Dynamic Disc is a presenting sponsor now of that event. So big thank you to Dynamic Disc. Uh, we're going to be fitting right within that trilogy lineup in terms of the offerings for you guys uh, for that event. So thank you so much. On the AM side, we have just about 60 out of 72 players. So just a little more than a, well, a dozen. I was going to say a handful, a little more than a <laughs> um, couple handfuls of spots. So uh, about 11 or 12 spots available for that event, uh, just so you guys know. Looking forward to having you guys here in southeastern Wisconsin. I want to give a quick shout out to Joel Langford. Patreon member, we got a, uh, his mini here, him and his son. His son's now, uh, in this picture, looks like he's pretty young, five. His son's now 12. That's how long it took me to get, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, Joel, but you, we do have your mini. It's going to make it up on the board at some point in the next week or so, and I'll take a new photo for the intro to the podcast so that we can uh, we can get you on there. And if you want to be eligible or, or get a mini with your photo on it, you can be a $5 a month Patreon member at patreon.com slash smashbox tv that's how we support the show so if i know we don't talk about it in the regular show very often it's usually an after show discussion but if you want to be eligible for our weekly giveaways for our yearly disc giveaways for the 
studio mini. You can go to patreon.com slash smashbox TV and take a look there. Oh, and I'm going to give a tease. You know what we're giving away tonight, right? Oh, I didn't realize we were going to give that away. I was going to give away something else, but if we want to oh, give this tonight, away. tonight. If tonight is the night, I will tonight, give you that. we're going to go a little because extra tonight, uh, separate. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Oh. Okay. Uh, you're going to have your choice. I've got a couple of different. They just came in today, so I've got a couple different Samui disc golf. And we'll talk a lot more about disc. the Samui stuff right in the after show. Yeah, so these are a couple of your options um, that I'll have, and uh, I want to find whoever ends up being the winner well, That's a tonight. nice, pretty one. Yeah, real pretty. Uh, whoever ends up being the winner tonight, I want to give you an option as to which of those you may like the most, and then we'll get them sent bet out. bet you they'd like them all, to, Terry. I bet you they would. And <laughs> the rest will be available for sale if you want to support. We're going to come up with some kind of friends of Samui or partners or supporters of Samui. There's a lot of different opportunities in which uh, you, your business, your company, whatever can show support uh, for, as we continue to develop disc golf in all of Southeast Asia. And then specifically um, my, my first uh, area of business will be to continue help pushing uh, Samui forward in that capacity up there in Maynam. So yeah, super excited. I'll, I'll break down all of that. And then some, if you have any questions in the after show, we can talk more about that. Uh, in terms of other news, is that just about everything there, Johnny? I, I think everything we've covered, on my note list is covered. Yeah, I think we've covered most of the news that's uh, fit to cover. Yeah, and if there's more, well, there will be. Uh, yeah, I think we can. Uh, we're going to go ahead and call it for our regular show. I want to again thank Danny Voss for jumping on. I know he's been busy. Uh, we tried to, you know, trying to possibly set something up a couple of weeks ago, and uh, with all the stuff the board was doing, it just didn't work out. And uh, we appreciate him being flexible and for the internet working uh, ninety ninety seven percent of that time. <laughs> just that last question or so <laughs> yes. really got us. So. Uh, that's like the ultimate playoff music. Like we just, you get all choppy and we're just like, eh, all right, cut him. Cut. Speaking of cutting it, we're going to do just that. This has been Smashbox TV's podcast 479. We're going to take a very quick break. Don't go anywhere because when you come back, we'll have the after show. We'll interact with you more. We'll answer some questions off the board. We'll have the giveaway of the stuff we were just talking about, your option of a Samui disc. And uh, we'll talk about things disc golf and non-disc golf related and we'll take it all from there. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy, along with Danny Voss. Thanks for joining. We'll see you in the after show. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.